0: As you grab your seat, grab a Bible, and uh, let's go ahead and bow in prayer. Father, we thank you again just to be reminded of uh, that great truth, that God, as we look at the cross, oftentimes we see a symbol, maybe we don't think about uh, the weight and the burden, the magnificence and the beauty of it, at the same time, the, the brutality of of it. And God, I, I pray that we would understand the magnification or the magnitude, sorry, of our sin. And we would also see the greatness of your grace in the midst of that. And it's in Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Um, 2 Timothy chapter 3, while you do that, I want you to kind of think about um, really what's gone on or, or what's going on? I, I have this uh, saying I like to say often, and it's, what in the world? <laughs> like, when something goes wrong, it's like, what in the world? Like, anybody else do that? I don't know. Like, like it's just one of those things to where it has at times become um, issues, or, uh, at, at, not I say issues, it's it's become a, a forefront where people look at me and go, what in the world? <laughs> and But... Here's what's going on, right? We, we live in a world right now that, that we could probably sit back and go, what in the world is going on? Right, whether it's, it's the things that are going on with Ukraine and Russia, whether it's the things that are going on between China and Taiwan, maybe it's the fact that we look and continue to see an increase in violence uh, across the American culture. Um, and, and make no mistake about it, I'm gonna be point blank with this. We wanna identify objects as the problem when people's the problem. We wanna sit back and go, I don't know why the world is, 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 is destroying itself. I don't know why we teach violence. Well, you teach violence when you tell people that who they really are doesn't matter. That how God created you, it obviously was a mistake. We, we have problems with, with, with depression, We have problems with anxiety. We we have, we have mental and emotional problems that the only answer to is going to be the simple fact that Jesus died on the cross. Listen, we can sit back and we can argue all you want, but when you have mental and emotional problems, the only answer is going to be eventually the cross. I'm not saying you don't go to a doctor and receive help, that you don't go to a counselor. I'm not saying you avoid those things, but I want you to know That because of the brokenness of this world, because of sin, the only answer will ever be the cross. So we have to blanket statement that from the start as we begin to unpack this. Because my question today is this, with this whole idea of what in the world is this. How do we lead our family? How do we lead the church? How do we lead individuals as society continues to grow dark? it's, It's not hard to realize that society continues to go further and further down the rabbit hole of destruction. There's no denying that whatsoever. And I want to be very clear on this as we jump into 2 Timothy chapter 3, is to let you understand what's going on. This is most likely Paul's last letter he wrote. For those of you who don't know anything about Paul and the New Testament, Paul came in and had a radical conversion, meets Jesus on the road to Emmaus, right? And on that road, he, he had been crucif- or, or sorry, persecuting and, and and going after early believers, Christians, people who had following Jesus. And, and putting them to death and putting them into jail and, and, and things like that. And Paul comes into this radical conversion on the road to Emmaus with Jesus. And he literally, Jesus says, Paul, Paul, why are you perse- persecuting me? And Paul comes a 180 degree turn and becomes what we would classify as the greatest missionary of all times. Matter of fact, if you were to look at your Bible and as you were reading through the book of Acts, you're gonna hear a lot about Paul because that's, Kind of the forefront, but I want you to know this that Paul wrote 13 of the 27 New Testament books. 13. That's half. All right? This man went from radically persecuting Jesus to being radically transformed by the grace of God, by the gospel that we just sang about on Calvary. And now he pens this last letter to his, what I would call, son in the faith. Timothy, who was the pastor at the church at Ephesus. So as you read the letter of, Eph- of Ephesians, as you read 1 and 2 Timothy, Paul pens this letter to Timothy, and he says, hey, Timothy, here's the reality. Here's what's going on. You got this idea what in the world. Hey, let me tell you what's going on. And I want to jump in, as we jump into this, it's, it's his last letter, and I just said that, but I want you to know why it's his last letter. Paul was under house arrest, Paul would soon be killed for the faith. Paul was told, you deny Jesus or you're going to die. Now keep in mind, he was the one who was saying that earlier, right? Deny Jesus, deny the cross, deny all of those things or you're going to die. And now Paul says, listen, I understand the reality. I understand the truth of what's going on. And I'm not catering. I'm not cowering. I'm not wavering for the truth that Jesus died on the cross and rose again. But... He says to Timothy, hey, if I can leave you anything, I want you to understand what is going on, what is happening in this world, and and that's important for us to keep in mind because there's a lot of questions out there, and I kind of joked about it last week, but I've always been of that assumption. I'm not a tin hat type guy, you know, like if you've ever watched the movie Signs, and he he puts on the tinfoil hat, and I'm not the tin hat type of guy, but I also want us to be very well prepared for what is going on in the world. We have to understand what's going on, and I'm going to be very clear on this. People say this is politics. It's not politics. It's reality. Right now, our Jackson County government has put a ban on what they'll call as conversion therapy. I want you to know that's not biblical. As a church, we have to stand against that, and here's the reason why. Jesus came to take a dead person and make them alive. Jesus came to take a person who was trapped in sin and bondage and to free them from that sin and bondage and give them the new life that God talks about. So you have to understand what's going on is a blatant attack against what we would call Christian biblical principles. So as we jump into this, there are going to be some things that we're going to continue to grow and be challenged by that the church especially as we continue to move toward the end, is going to come more and more under attack. And keep this in mind. When I say church, I'm not talking about a building. I'm talking about people, right? The people of God are the church. If you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you are part of the bride of Christ. And as a part of the bride of Christ, you are the church. And the church is a people. We are called out. In other words, we are called out from within society or within the world, and we're to live a certain way. So Paul is speaking about the future of societal decay that will be taking place. So if you have your Bible, 2 Timothy chapter 3, we're going to read the first five verses. If you stand with me while we read those, and then we're going to, I'll read the rest of it later. I won't make you stand up, sit down. We're not going to do a bunch of calisthenics, Um, but we're going to read the first five verses as we go along. Watch this, what he says. Keep in mind, Paul to Timothy about what's going to happen as society grows dark. Mark this. There will be terrible times in the what? Last days. Now, every believer at that point in time would have said 2,000 years ago, the last days are now. And that's why I'm not the conspiracy theory. I'm not going to stand up here and tell you it's, it's soon, right? We have to try and look at the signs, but here's the reality. He says there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of what? Themselves. That sounds like society right now, right? Lovers of money. Yep boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, keep that in mind, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with them." You can be seated as we jump in. Now, I want to clarify a couple of things so that you can begin to understand. A lot of people have taken that idea of have nothing to do with them, meaning that I don't have to relate to, connect with, love, nurture, have a relationship with people who are lost. I want you to know that in reality, what Paul is writing to Timothy at this point is this is what's going to happen within the church. This is what's going to happen with believers. There are going to be people who claim to be followers of Jesus, but they're going to be really, at this point, what we would call self-centered, treacherous, rash, see, There's all kinds of things that go on. And really, what, we're, what he's saying is this, they're, they're religious in their actions, but they don't really follow Jesus, because if they followed Jesus, it wouldn't look like this, right? A self-centered life... Is contrary to the gospel because the gospel says that you no longer live, but Christ lives in me. So the life I live, I live as obedience to Jesus. So it's not self centered, it should be what? God centered. And so Paul begins to unpack a lot of these things. And I want us to know this: that living or leading your family in the world as society continues to go to grow dark is gonna to continue to be harder and harder and harder. And make no mistake about it, that society in the world will continue. To stand against what God says, what God teaches, what God condones and shows and says, this is the standard of stipulation, and they're going to continue to press hard against it and say, if he really loved us, he wouldn't require these things, which is far from the truth. So, Paul is speaking about this idea of future societal decay, and in reality, we live in a world that is decaying. We live in a world that continues to grow dark. We live in a world that continues to deny any sort of acknowledgement of the truth that Jesus lived. I mean, like, I can have conversations with people consistently who would say, Jesus never lived. And I'm like, what about history? Like, there are non-believing historians who would sit back and go, yes, Jesus did live. We have eyewitness testimonies. We've got all kinds of books, history, antiquity, and everything else. And people would say, no way. Can I tell you what that is? It's just a blatant disregard for any sort of truth. And listen, we live in a society right now that says truth is relative when that is far from the truth. I've said this a long time ago, and I will stand on this till the day I die that when psychology trumps biology, we're in trouble. It's funny how a lot of my friends, when I was growing up, would say, Well, science disproves the Bible. Well, science disproves your belief, and yet you still continue to walk down a road of destruction. Why? It's because we're self-centered. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of good. Keep that in mind, because it's important for us to keep this in mind, too. Because as believers, you have to identify or question, am I a lover of pleasure or a lover of good? Do I still continue to struggle with pornography and things which are pleasuresome, right? Or am I going to love the good because I want to follow and be obedient to Jesus? So keep very clear ideas that I'm not preaching against a certain set of people. I want to talk about what this means for us as believers of the church because it's our role and our goal to lead our families, to lead our family within the church, to lead our families in our own homes. And parents, make no mistake about it, this is a challenge to each and every one of us to lead our families and lead our families well. I ask this question, how do we lead our families and church as we see more resistance to the truth? So here's the big idea. If you remember anything, I want you to remember this, that times will continue to be difficult for followers of Christ as worldly influence increases. It's gonna to continue to get harder harder and harder. You're going to come up against more pressure. You're going to come up against more attacks. You're going to come up against more uh, uh, tactics that Satan wants to use in order to get you off your A game. And listen, we know from, from just statistics right now, we know the fact that depression, anxiety, worry, all of those things, suicidal thoughts, suicidal actions have all increased. They have more than doubled, sometimes tripled. Did you know that the suicidal tendency or the suicidal ideations that take place in in the the age group of 11 to 14-year-old girls has increased over 200% in the last four years? 200%. 11 to 14 years old. At 11 years old, you know what I worried about? Getting on my bike, riding up to school, and hitting all the jumps. You know, the little dirt jumps that were outside like seemed like every elementary school around where I grew up right? Now for safety's sake, they bulldoze those out and then tell you you can't ride, right? Like, I don't know what happened to the good old days at times, but anyway, so I mean, get off on that, but listen, the values of the world can continue to be extremely hostile and toxic and will continue to be increasingly hostile. But make no mistake that the world will be effective in misleading others and leading others into falsehood and disobedience, that's what we see that, that Paul is, uh, is talking about here in this letter. So if you follow along, I want to give you four things that I think he gives us, four areas that we need to be aware of or be prepared for so that we can lead our families well. Number one is this, that we need to be aware of the world. We need to be aware of what's going on. We need to be aware of the tactics and the the ideologies that are gonna run up. But listen, listen to what he says in verse one. Mark this, there will be terrible times in the last what? Days. Now, if I could describe this idea of terrible, I don't know what you would think about. But I want you to think about it in this way: they will be fierce, they will be violent they will be dangerous, they will be frightening, and here's another word you could use, and the last day would be savage times. That's what he's painting a picture as. There will be terrible times in the last days. Now, I'm of the assumption, and I'm of the belief, based upon what we would say would be a biblical worldview, is that the Bible says, listen, no matter what you do, no matter what goes on, the world continues to go downward. It is in a downward spiral, in a trajectory that is eventually going to lead, like in a, the, the, the picture of a plane, that's going to eventually lead to a what? A crash. They are downward spiraling because of what Satan wants to do. Keep this in mind. The Bible is very clear. It says that Satan blinds the minds or blinds the eyes of unbelievers, So there is some spiritual warfare that takes place, but these savage times have come up. And so then he goes into this catalog of corruption, right? And this is going to infiltrate within our families and within the church. Make no mistake about it. Jesus said that when he died on the cross and when he stood on the truth of the gospel, he said, listen, it's going to create a division between husband and wife, between son and father, between mother and daughter and likewise everything else. So it's important for us to understand and see that the gospel does create a rift. It does create a problem because people are gonna say, no, I'm gonna choose to go this direction. I'm gonna choose because I am self-centered. I'm gonna go and choose what feels good, what feels right, what makes me feel good, no matter what goes on with you. And that's exactly what's going on in our society. You don't tell me your truth because my truth is truth when the reality is just because you believe something doesn't make it true. You know, we used to jokingly say this all the time. Believing you're a hamburger doesn't mean you're a hamburger. Believing you're a, a, you know, Chevy Corvette doesn't make you a Chevy Corvette. I just saw a video this week. 62-year-old man who says I, he's identified as 40. As I interviewed him on the news. I was like, are you serious? You're still 62, bro. Science says you're 62. Got a birth certificate. You're still 62, right? There was another one this week that I saw. White guy says he identifies as a Filipino woman. I'm like, man, you're going two directions. Not only was it nationality, but now you're going the whole other way. And he, they asked why. He's like, because that's what I feel like I want to be. Listen, all of those things are laid out. Listen to what he says again. They will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money. Like, if you don't think money controls everything, then you haven't looked at our government recently. Like I'm not, I'm not going to persuade this, and I'm, I'm going to be very specific on this point. Our government is out of control, they have overstepped, they have reached beyond the means with which they are to reach. They are to look out for the safety and well-being of the country while staying out of the views and the opinions of what goes on in the home. It is the government's responsibility to govern and set laws that allow freedoms, but at the same time not overstep and overreach their bounds. And so if you say, hey, this is politics, you're darn skippy it is politics at this point because our government has gone overboard on the things that they should not be going overboard. So listen again, lovers of themselves. If you don't think our government sets policies and politics based upon what they view or what they love, you better believe you got something else coming. Lovers of money, the dollar speaks, and all we have to do is see that. Who gets elected? Rich. Government for the people, of the people, for the people, by the people. But if you ain't got money, there ain't no way you're getting elected. You could be a person of great class, great integrity. You ain't got the money. It's not happening. And if you don't have the money within our government walls, you're not getting bills passed and other things going. So listen, it's very important for us to play this out. They will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, Right? We talk about violence and we look at everything that goes on. And listen, I don't care where you're at. This this world continues to get more and more and more violent. Disobedient to their parents. Now, let me be very clear on this just a little bit, parents. Just because your kids say something doesn't make it so. You can love your kids without being accepting of their sin. You guys get that, right? Right? Like some of the best discipline you could ever give is say, I love you, but you're wrong. (laughs) I mean, it's just the way it goes. Well, I don't want to hurt their feelings. I'm sorry. Every time my dad disciplined me, it hurt. And I'm not talking spanking. I'm talking about the fact that he disciplined me. Whether it was taking things away or whatever it was, that, that happened. It hurt. And when I actually grew up, like me and my dad clashed. Matter of fact, I could sit back and I could look at in high school I and mean, I'd be like, me and my dad were not friends. And my dad would say, that's good. I'm not here to be your friend. I'm here to be your father. And later when I actually grew up and matured and realized, oh, my dad's not as dumb as I thought he was. <laughs> like he's, he's really wise. He knows what's going on. And I'll tell you, there's not a day that goes by that I don't miss calling him up. I'd call him up every morning, 8 o'clock. Hey, how you doing? When I had a financial decision I had to make, call him up. What do you think about this? When I had a difficult decision, hey, Dad, can you be praying for that? Yep, we got you. I had to work through some rough times because I was an absolute idiot, right, as a young kid. But man, it was, it was amazing, what happened. But listen, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy. We live in a society right now that is ungrateful about everything. And listen, I want to challenge you to be this. Be a person who's grateful. Stop looking at what you think you need and be thankful for what you got. Right? That's, that's the lie of Satan. You need this. You need this. You need this. You need this. When the reality is, no, you got it. You just need to be more thankful And listen, I'm not a person who's like this whole name it, claim it idea, but do you realize that if you speak positive, encouraging, grateful, thankful words, you actually become a person who's a lot more thankful. You start to realize and look at things and go, man, I got more than I ever thought I ever deserved, and I'm thankful. In the midst of the disobedience of your kids, are you grateful for the kids? Right? In the midst of, of a job that might be a, a pain or a thorn in your side, are you grateful and thankful for that God is providing for you day in and day out? Meeting those needs. You know, I, I say it this way, but I want you to think about this statement. In the 60s, John F. Kennedy came out and said, Ask not what you could do for your country, or, or sorry, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. I'm afraid right now that that statement is. Like, that doesn't exist. And I mean that in every sense of the form. I'm not talking about government and everything else like that. I'm talking about the ideas like what's in it for me in every circumstance, in every situation. Even in the church, because here's usually how it goes in the church. You don't have what I'm looking for. We've become a, a, a culture that shops. And when something happens and the church doesn't have what you want, we just jump ship. You don't have the coolest music. You don't have this. You don't have that. Pastor steps on my toes a little bit too much, so we're going to just jump. Well, what we need to be is be people who are under the authority of God's word. So keep this in mind. We got to be aware of what the world is has done and listen to what he says he he goes on he says brutal not lovers of good treacherous rash conceited lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of god i think that's important for us to keep in mind but he says having a form of godliness but denying its power have nothing to do with them now now he's going to jump into this this idea of what's going on And the idea, and this is going to lead us into point number two that I want to talk about, where it says that we need to be on guard for false teaching. What he's saying is there are going to be people who are going to act like this who have infiltrated themselves into relationships and into the church. And he says, you need to not have anything to do with them because here's what happens in verse six they are the kind who worm their way into homes and gain control over weak willed women. Now, before you jump and crucify me or think about, oh, it's only talking about women, I want you to know this. Yes, that was played out because what you would say is back in those days, weak-willed women were, women were obviously already outcast in society. Their testimony wasn't even good enough to be, to be acknowledged or recognized in a court of law. And then they throw in this. So what Paul is saying is, based on that current context, is the women who have no will whatsoever. In other words, they go with the flow. And they go in, and these these teachers, these leaders, gain control over weak-willed women who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires. Now, I want you to just take out, just in a very simple way, take out that word women and just think about it as an individual, period. We have churches that are so weak, so immune, or so, so, so just, they're just, I'll be honest, it it drives me nuts, they're terrible. I meet with pastors every day of the week, and you would not believe the stories I hear. of people who are hate-filled, self-centered, self-righteous, not even pastors, but there are people who control a church with fear and money. And all I can say is when I look at Scripture, those people are going to have a special place in judgment because God's going to hold them accountable for anything else. And so what he's saying right here is this, we have to be aware of false teaching that takes place. And anybody who would stand up, anybody, pastor likewise, who stands up and teaches you something that's contrary to scripture, you got to have a red flag going up on your mind right away. Bing, that don't sound right. I know scripture so well that when I hear something that doesn't sound right, I have a red flag that throws up and calls foul. This is like a football, right? Like, I mean, maybe I'll get you all yellow flags, right? Blow the whistle, throw the flag. Roughing, bad use of context, took the verse out of context, trying to support your viewpoint. No, that doesn't. You've got to be able to, to determine and know what is going on based upon the truth of scripture. One of the things I will always tell you, and I've always told our church, if you're new, you're part of us, I want you to know this, that scripture dictates what we say and how we go about doing things. So like, even as I talk about with our government, and even as I talk about with with people who don't think like us, it is always our role to stand on the truth of the gospel, but yet at the same time, listen, to love those people with grace, God loved Paul so much that he sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross, even though Paul was coming against the church ruthlessly with violence and death. And God loves every sinner the same way he sent his son. So listen, we have to be on guard for false teaching, false teachers who work their way into homes. And I'm not going to lie. That some of you right now are so good, and this is a struggle even in our family of letting this false teacher mislead your kids. And you could talk about all you want, whether it's TikTok or Snapchat or anything else, this has become the thing that we allow to influence and train our kids. Technology is great, it's wonderful, but yet at the same time, it's got a downfall, it's got a problem. I've said this before, and I've I've talked about there's a couple couple things you've got to watch just to kind of see what's going on. There's one on YouTube. You can look it up. It's free, Childhood 2.0. And that's where you're going to see the statistics where the suicide rates between 11 and 14-year-olds girls has increased 200%. Because we got this idea, and our kids get this idea that it's all about what people think bullying and everything that takes place on here, the ideas that we come to. You know, I jokingly say that, but when, when you think about the commercial where the, the lady's like standing there and she, she says that she's going to be going on a date with a French model and that dude shows up, you know what I'm talking about, right? And she's like, you're French? She's like, bonjour. <laughs> and like, like, you can find anything you want on here that's going to teach you anything you think you need on here. And this is the problem because this should never replace this. Weak-willed carries the idea that they don't know this. They've sat back They've let others teach them rather than letting God's word teach them. And we have to be on guard for false teaching because it's usually, listen, it usually isn't blatant or obvious, but rather subtle and, in the, and it's right underneath our noses. Because listen to what he says. They're loaded down with sins. They're swayed by all kinds of evil desires, always learning, never able to acknowledge the truth. And then he says, just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so also these men oppose the truth. They're men of depraved mind who as far as the faith is concerned are rejected. In other words, they're not true followers of Christ. They just speak the language. They got the lingo down, but they're they're not followers of Jesus, but they will not get very far because in the case of those men, their folly will be clear to everyone. It's only clear if you know the this. It's only clear. And number three, as you think about this, how do we continue to lead our families as we see the resistance of truth continue to rise? I said number one was to be aware of the world. Number two is to be on guard for false teaching. Number three is this, to be prepared for persecution. Persecution is a given. That is one of those things that Jesus said, listen, it happened to me and it's gonna to happen to you. If you love me, if you follow me, persecution will rise. A matter of fact, this week we shared a, 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 a link on our Facebook about a prayer request that was going on right now in Libya. The Lib- Libyan believers that are in Libya right now are being arrested. A matter of fact, there's two basically rival government which neither are, are, are put in place or have been put in place, rightfully so, but it's two factions that have basically gained control over Libya, and they're rounding up all the Christian believers, both government officials and just regular people, and they're, they're, they're putting them on trial. And you may be like, well, that's Libya. Make no mistake about it. That's soon to come to the United States. It's already happening right now because the government, like I just said recently with Jackson County, is already trying to overstep their bounds and overstep the Constitution. Make no mistake about it. I want you to know that Jackson County right now is probably one of the most perverse governments in our state as far as overstepping the constitutional rights that we have. Freedom of religion and the freedom of speech is under attack right now by our Jackson County city councilman, our county, Frank White. I'll name him out. I don't care. You better believe right now they're coming hard against the church. Guess who cracked down on the church in COVID? Guess who tried to set an unreasonable expectation upon the church over even restaurants where restaurants could have 50% occupancy, but churches could only have 10 Yours truly, Frank White. So make no mistake about it. I'm going to tell you. They're after our tax-exempt status. They're after everything under the sun in the church. And I want to be very clear on that, that you have to understand what is going on. And we have to be prepared for persecution. As a believer, you need to be on guard for it. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Starting in verse 10, he says, However, you know about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, my faith, my patience, love and endurance, persecution, sufferings, what kinds of things happen to me in Antioch. Then in verse 12, he jumps in and he says this, In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be what? Persecuted. Listen, right now in America, we don't suffer persecution to the extent that we see going on overseas. But make no mistake about it, that your sons and daughters, if they make a stand, are going to be persecuted. That you, if you make a stand on the truth of the gospel, will be persecuted. And the question would be is this, if you're not being persecuted, how much of the world are you letting influence you? Would you be identified as one of those who would be weak-willed, who's listening to the false teaching that's going on all around us? So make no mistake, we have to be prepared for persecution. The world is in rebellion against God. It hates God, and when he came as a man in the person of Jesus Christ, the world responded by murdering him. Last week, we posted a video inviting people to Easter services, and we got this nice, lovely, friendly response in our message on Facebook, right? A person who's accepting of all people, according to their Facebook page, told us to basically shut up and quit trying to brainwash people. At which point, I really wanted to respond and say, who's brainwashed? You're denying truth. You deny biology. You deny all these things. And all it was was a simple advertisement on Facebook that we made for Easter services. But I want you to know this that we have to be prepared for persecution. 2 Timothy chapter 3 points that out. But listen, it's very clear that evil men, in verse 13, listen to what he says while evil men and imposters, keep that in mind, there's those who are evil, and then he says imposters. Imposters are those who have weaseled their way into the church, acted like they're believers. Talk the talk, but don't walk the walk. And he says, while evil men and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived, but as for you, continue in what you have learned And become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it. And I want to give you with this with number four. So we said, how do we lead our families well to to continue to press against the darkness? We have to be aware of the world, number one. We have to be on guard for false teaching, number two. We have to be prepared for persecution, number three. And number four is this. We have to be obedient to godly leadership and Scripture. That's what Paul lays out. Verse 10, he says, you, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, my faith, then he jumps into verse 14, continue in what you have learned. In other words, Timothy, remember your grandma and your mom who raised you in the faith. Train a child in the ways you go and they will not depart or stray. But he says, as for you, continue in what you've learned and become convinced of because you know those from whom you've learned it. Listen, every one of us need to be aware of those things that speak into our lives that aren't backed by truth. And you need to learn to listen to the things That you know are true. Listen to verse 15, and we're gonna kind of wrap up with this. When we talk about being obedient to godly leadership, Paul was reminding Timothy about the relationship he had with him. Paul is reminding Timothy about the leadership of the family, his grandma and his mom. So keep that in mind. And then in verse 15, it says, How from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you, listen, wise for salvation through Christ or through faith in Christ Jesus. That's the gospel. The good news that Jesus died on the cross and rose again. That it's by faith you are saved. Matter of fact, the Bible says that by grace through faith are you saved, not by works. In other words, I'm not standing up here talking about this idea that you work your way into heaven. I'm talking about the simple fact that it's a belief in the cross of Christ Belief in Calvary, where Jesus died on the cross, bearing your weight, bearing your sins, bearing your burdens, bearing my sins, bearing my burdens, and going to the grave and rising in, which is what we celebrated last week. That is the gospel. That is truth. That is what we see. That is what we know. There is no denying the fact that Jesus lived. There's no denying the fact that Jesus died. I mean, you can, but you're just going to continue to deny truth. As a matter of fact, we take the resurrection as real based upon eyewitness testimony and the the faith that we saw lived out by the disciples and many who died as a result of that. So listen. We have to be on guard and ready. What in the world is going on? It's exactly what God said would happen. That's the truth. That we know that as times continue to go on, the further we get away from the cross, the further we get away from the resurrection, the worse things continue to get. So again, I'm I'm going to tell you point blank. I am never going to be the pastor who's going to stand up here and go, man, we're living in the end times as in like Jesus is coming tomorrow. But I will tell you, we're living in the end times. Because Jesus says the longer it goes, the worse it's gonna get. And I'll always stand by this, that I think every generation goes, oh my gosh, this has gotta be the end. And all I can think about is, when I read Matthew chapter 24 and I read 1st Thessalonians and 2nd Thessalonians and I start to read the book of Daniel and then you can jump into Revelation is I'm not sure that we realize how bad it really is going to be. Like don't get me wrong, it's bad. Society continues to go deeper and deeper and darker and darker into the hole of despair and chaos and turmoil. but I'm not sure how deep we go. I always think about this way, and I'm going to close with this. If you've ever been down in one of the cave systems or anything like this, I remember, uh, I think it was Branson, we went down and they have the the lights, right? They take you down into this, this cave, this tunnel area, they turn on the lights, you're like, oh yeah, that's so cool, right? Oh, you're like 200 feet below the ground at this point. Then they turn off the lights. Now, let's be realistic. If you don't have a flashlight or your phone, you ain't getting out of that sucker. But the closer I get to the surface, what do you start to see? The closer I get to the entrance, what do I start to see? Light. This is important for us to realize that, yes, we live in the world. Be in the world, but not of the world. That the closer we stay to the surface, the closer we stay to the light, the more the light illuminates our life and shows us the direction we're supposed to go. And the reality is that we have a world of people that are lost, who are down in the depths, that don't see the light, that Satan has turned off the light. He has blinded the minds of unbelievers, and they don't know the direction they can go. And all you can do is be the person who's going to lead them toward the light. That's the only role that you and I get to play. We're not the light. I mean, we are the light because it says that if Jesus is in us, we bear the light, but we're not the one who's the light. That we take and point people to Jesus because Jesus is the light and Jesus is the one who's gonna release them from that bondage and take them from that decay and lead them out of darkness. So what in the world is going on? Listen, I think it's important for us to take this to heart, that we have to be families We have to be a church family that says, listen, no matter the cost, we're going to train up our kids to acknowledge Jesus, to know Jesus, to see the love of Jesus, to live that out in front of their friends, in front of their schoolmates, in front of their co-workers and things like that. Make no mistake about it. The future of the church is, is dependent upon our kids. Matter of fact, I think I remember a guy saying that like 20 years ago when I was young. and The future of the church depends on you right now. And I'm sitting here going, oh, yeah. that's." And 20, 20 years has gone by and you're like, man, this is the truth. And I envision a day here in the United States where we're not going to be able to afford to stay in this building. I want you to know that. It's coming. Jackson County's already throwing it out. They're wanting to charge churches property tax. I want you to know right now, if property tax was due to our church, it would be over $30,000 a year. I want you to know our budget, by the time we pay for insurance and our heat and electricity, we've lost 30% of our budget on a year. You throw another $30,000, we're down to 60% of our budget would be gone. That leaves no room for any sort of ministry aspects and things like that. And for those of you who don't know, we don't have a high staff salary. Our staff salary is right around 15% of our church budget. The average church runs on about a 40 to 50% budget of salary. So I want you to realize the reality of what's going on in the government. I want you to realize the reality of what is going to take place in America. And I also want you to realize that that doesn't mean that the gospel starts moving forward and Jesus quits. Maybe sometimes that's what the church needs. To become more viral, more organic, more realistic, more functioning within society and homes and things like that, I don't know. Listen, don't get me wrong. I wouldn't trade it right now because I love you guys and I love meeting together on Sunday mornings. But what happens if all of a sudden everything does fall apart and we've got to have people meeting in homes? Y'all can't fit in my house. I mean, unless you want to climb on the roof and I could preach from the front yard. I don't know. Maybe like a sermon on the mount, sermon on the roof. I don't know. But some of you, God may be calling out to prepare for leadership to prepare for ministry. But I want us to be on guard as this, that we've got to be aware of the times. We've got to be prepared to move. We've got to be prepared to go behind enemy lines. We've got to be prepared to take the gospel to those who are down in the darkness in the dungeon of the cave and to walk them out. And that may be your kids as well. So let's pray. Father, we thank you again. For the goodness that you give us. For the hope that we have. And God, I know that there were some statements today that some may look at and go, well, it can't really be that bad. But God, you know. You know the attacks of the enemy. You know the way Satan works. You know that it's blatant. It's, it's, or it's not as blatant oftentimes, but it's more subtle. It's underhanded. It weasels its way in. And it looks for those who are weak. And God, it rises up. So may we be on our guard. May we be prepared. May we understand the reality that we have, that we need to take and train our kids and prepare them for a future that just continues to get more dark, more separated from you, more against you. But yet at the same time, God, may we bear with others with great love and grace knowing that it's not against flesh and blood that we battle, as Ephesians said, but it's against the rulers and the powers and the the authorities in the heavenly realms. So may we take it seriously that we know that spiritual warfare is taking place, but yet you are at work. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.